Well, hi and welcome to Zion. My name is Phil Strong and it's a privilege to be sharing with you today. I'm very, very excited about the Word of God that I've got to share with you today. Uh, it's been bubbling up inside me for um, several months and I've uh, been processing it and chewing on it and just really waiting for the right time. And I believe that this is the right time. The key thing about the message that I want to launch you into today is that I feel like uh, what's, what's resonating inside of me is that this is a key anchor stone for us in the journey of Zion. Uh, and, and I want to show you uh, where I think it fits in, and I want to unpack some stuff for you, and I also want to point you to the scriptures, uh, because my goal today is that you would uh, be able to pause the video and discuss the scripture with those around you. So I really do hope that you're taking the opportunity to gather with someone, that you're not just sitting there in the chair by yourself, um, you know, doing the dutiful thing and watching the YouTube to, to help the pastor get the count up on the video. <laughs> That's not what it's about. This is about you being fed by God himself. And uh, all I'm trying to do is put the plate out in front of you so that you can feast on what God's prepared for you. So come on, get yourself ready, get someone else, grab your Bible, get a notebook because you're going to need to take notes. You're going to need to write down what God's saying to you. And what I want to share with you today is a message that is an anchor stone for Zion, for the church, and for the future that we're walking into, this glorious future, the hope that's set before us, the glorious bride that Jesus is coming back for. It's us! And today I want to talk to you about that and what it looks like as we live together. So come on, let's jump into the Word of God together. By way of some context and history for this word, I want to take you back to a prophetic word that kind of bubbled out of me uh, one day when I was preaching at uh, Zion, or as it was known back then, North End Church in 2016. I felt this urge to begin a message on a Sunday with a prophetic word, and the essence of that word was this, revival will come through family. Family is one of the core values we have here at Zion. It's always been that way. It's something that we cherish and it's something that we pursue and it's something that we struggle with. And over the years, as we've tried to promote family and connection and life together, um, we've really come under uh, a bit of a battering in that way. And one day I was walking along with Pastor Sheridan, who's my spiritual oversight uh, friend of mine, and I was just saying to him, man, I just feel like we're getting beat up on this. And he said this to me. He said, look, you know, the, the very thing that you cherish and that you hold up as a banner over your church, it's the same thing that becomes a target for the enemy. So it's no wonder, he said to me, that the thing that you're really believing and holding as a promise of God up for everyone to see, it's no wonder the enemy's trying to attack it. So take heart, take strength, he said. Keep focus, keep diligent, don't give up, and uh, you will see the Lord victorious. And that really stirred me. Uh, and so that word from 2016 is still relevant for us as we pursue God and his promises for us. Revival will come through family. Every moment of turnaround in the biblical narrative, the story of scripture, every turnaround moment uh, kind of is the same really. The people of God were uh, perhaps with the backs up against the wall or they were under harsh oppression and, and bondage or they were at the end of their rope or just the end of their hope. 
These moments in time in the story of scripture that we read about are, are hinge points of history. They're a, a pivot moment where all of a sudden God does something miraculous. And that's what I want to talk about. You see, often we read in scripture, people were set in a difficult political climate. They were under the impression of a pagan king that was taking away their privileges or beating them or causing them to work as slaves. Also, we see that the people of God were at their weakest. Perhaps they'd been, um, they've had all their strength taken away. A lot of times they'd been taken away from their, their, their um, practice of worship. So there was no temple. There was no tent of meeting. There was no place where they could um, offer their sacrifices before God as the, as the people of God. This was a tough time. They were believing, but they were barely holding on. I just wonder if that's a description of the church today. But think about the stories. Because God chooses to call out a remnant, those that are left standing and believing in hope. He calls out a remnant to have this hinge point, this turnaround moment, this pivot in the story. And we see things turn around. That's what I think is happening right now. What about Noah and his family? Out of the blue, all of a sudden, there's one guy who God says, his heart is pure, I'll choose him. And over a period of time, he was uh, set apart, he given a project to do, and it took him a while, but ultimately, uh, that project became his salvation uh, as the flood came. What about Moses in Egypt, the burning bush, and God says, you will go and call my people out of Egypt and slavery, and I will lead you to the land flowing with milk and honey and promise, and there I will bless you. Moses is like, well, who am I? What about David? And his mighty men hiding in a cave and yet faithful and confident that God had anointed them for a new season that would come for the people of God. As, as a promise bigger than David came and out of you shall come a branch, says the Lord. And from that branch of Jesse shall I establish a new covenant, a new people for Jews and Gentiles will be united. <laughs> David was like, oh, really? A pivot moment. What about Gideon? Stand up, mighty warrior. Do not hide in the threshing floor, for I have called you. And the Spirit of God came upon him, and he rose valiantly. It was a pivot moment, a hinge point. Recently, I've been looking into uh, the reestablishment of the exiles that came back from, from Babylon with uh, Zerubbabel and Joshua. Joshua the priest, Zerubbabel the governor, and together they partnered with the Spirit of God and the prophetic voice of God under Haggai and Zechariah. And, and, and there was a building of the temple and the, you know, we see Ezra and then Nehemiah. And man, it's exciting. A pivot moment in time. And then there was the early church. The early church, you know this story well. Come on, Acts chapter 1 verse 14. They were with one accord. They were gathering in the upper room. They were devoting themselves to prayer. Together, the disciples, the followers of Jesus with the woman, the Mary, the mother of Jesus, and all the brothers. They were there in that place. A remnant called out and set apart. Almost out of hope, almost at the end of their rope, but believing in faith that what Jesus said was theirs to behold. What about the scripture that we read about in Acts chapter 2? The outpouring of Pentecost and people convicted by the Spirit of God, repentant before God. What should we do, brothers? Repent and be saved, says Peter. And they did. And 3,000 joined their number. 
And it says they devoted themselves, they gathered and devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine and teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Man, I'm stirred by this, but before I get into this, I need to pause, and I want you to stop, and I want you to pray. Come on, prayer is pivotal in this. They were gathered in the upper room praying. They devoted themselves to prayer as the Holy Spirit led them. So now I want you to pray. It's really important that we get the discipline of prayer in our lives. So come on, pause the video, and I want you to pray and lift up the name of Jesus in your midst. Go on, do it. I dare to. The early church is the, is the clue for us today as they gather together. They were devoted in prayer, and I urge you to have prayer as a discipline in your life. Gather with others and pray. But what the word that I want to point you to today is found in Acts 2.42, and it says they devoted themselves to teaching and to fellowship. And the Greek word that uh, Luke uses for fellowship there is, is one that you may or may not be familiar with. It's koinonia. Koinonia. It's the word that's used in the New Testament for fellowship. And I want to dive into that today. It's a Greek word, and it's in, the, it's in the New Testament 19 times, and it's used by quite a few different authors. Uh, so it's a commonly used word, but I don't reckon that it's commonly understood. So we need to understand a little bit more about it, and that's your assignment for today. Have a look at the screen. I want to show you something. Koinonia describes our new life in Jesus Christ. Koinonia involves active participation in Christian community. Koinonia looks like the unity of faith that we read they had. They were in one accord in the unity of faith. We read in scripture so many times. And what I believe, this is the key point where I'm so excited, Koinonia becomes the foundation of the ecclesia. What does that mean is that the koinonina, the coming together, the fellowship of the believers is essential for the emergence of the victorious church. I'm a believer in the emerging church being one that would uh, be an example of Jesus to the community. Jesus says, go into the world and make disciples. This is how they will know you, my disciples, by the way you want, love one another and that you go and serve them in love. Come on, the ecclesia can only be formed once we have koinonia worked out. And today, we're going to spend all our time looking at this one word, koinonia. As I said to you before, koinonia is a Greek word used by multiple authors in the New Testament. It's used 19 times in the New Testament alone. You can do a word study and can find that out for yourself. But what I want to do today is I want to explore the breadth of the use of the word because I think that we've just wrapped it up in this little cute package and called it fellowship. And we think it means sharing a cup of tea together and, and doing a Bible study together. But I want to show you that it's far more than that. Koinonia refers to the dynamic whole of Christian living. It's not just about how we get together. It's how we live our lives in the community. This breadth of what Jesus Christ has done for us is so much more for us to understand. Koinonia says that when we come together, we should experience a dynamic relationship. And that's, that's, that's something that we've got to unpack, and I want you to unpack it today. 
A dynamic relationship is more than just a cordial greeting or a hug when we get to meet each other or, you know, sharing something on Facebook that's, you know, got a Christian verse attached to it. It's a dynamic relationship. It's a spirit-filled life. It's, it's the passion of Jesus that becomes our passion, that we would die to our own ambitions. Dynamic has so much meaning. The dynamic relationship that we share together. The essential element of koinonia is participation. And in that, Christ is our connection. I want you to see this today. The key aspect of koinonia is you participating in life because you're connected in Christ to other people. We're going to see that in the scripture. You're going to hopefully get that revelation today that you're called to participate as part of the fellowship. So finally, with koinonia, let me say this. Let us come together and gather with our focus being all that we share in common in our new life in Jesus Christ. What I want to do today is I want to take you on a journey through Scripture. Uh, we're going to have time to unpack Scripture. We're going to have time to discuss Scripture. And I want you really to embrace and consume the Word of God as food for your soul. And at the end of it, we're going to work out what we're going to do about it. So come on, let's go on that journey together. To help you consume the scriptures as food today, I've prepared a worksheet for you. So if you uh, jump onto YouTube, uh, watching this video, and you look at the description, there's going to be a link there uh, to a PDF document that I've prepared for you uh, so that you can uh, follow along or fill in the gaps, um, depending whether you do it on your phone or whether you're going to print it out, uh, but it's a guide for you. You can use it alongside your journal, you can use it on your computer, however you choose. My goal is uh, to point you in the right direction, to give you some food for thought, and then really to challenge you to, to take it another step further. And to do that, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you that the expansive meaning of koinonia and how we participate in the life of Jesus Christ together uh, really has three parts to it. And have a look at the graphic on the screen. You'll see there are three parts to koinonia. The first one is that we are together in Christ. That is the essential nature of why we live together and how we live together is because we have come together in Christ. And you'll see that in the scriptures today. The second element is the unity of our faith. This is vital for us to be the representation of Christ. You know, I got um, stirred years ago, I smashed around with this revelation of the other-centered love of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, always focused on the benefit of the other, serving each other in sacrifice and love and lifting them up that to be glorified. And that's how we're supposed to live with each other and with Christ. This is the one accord of one mind, being of the same heart that we read about in the early church so many times. Unity of the faith. And finally, the third element which ties it all together, which is really your outcome out of understanding this word properly and applying it fully in your life and application and community, is the giving of ourselves. You're going to see in the writings of Paul especially how the word of koinonia and the community that we're called to be a part of requires us to give ourselves to others in love. And we're going to see that in scripture today. So I've got a bunch of scriptures in the worksheet that you may have downloaded by now. Uh, and we're going to go through them, uh, a couple of them, and then you're going to go through them as you choose. And the first one I'll draw you back to is Acts 2.42. I've shared it with you already previously, and you'll see it on the screen here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And so the word koinonia in that sentence is the word fellowship. Most translations translate it as fellowship. 
And so I sat down with the scriptures that I'm about to share with you. I said, what does that look like in context? And the answer that I came up with is doing life together. So when they were hanging out as the church, they were devoted to each other and they were studying the scriptures and, and remembering Jesus. They were doing life together. And so that's what that verse means. Let's have a look at another one. The second scripture you'll see on your worksheet is Romans 15 verse 26. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. Paul is reminding the audience uh, something he's spoken of earlier in his letters about the collection that they took up for the church in Jerusalem, those that were dedicated to serving Jesus. And it says it pleased them to make a contribution. Now, in that sentence, the Greek word koinonia has been translated as contribution. So I had to think about the context of the, of, the, of the passage and what Paul's trying to say. And essentially what I think koinonia means in this, in, this, uh, in this context is giving what I have for the benefit of others. That's what koinonia means. So already we've seen that it means doing life together, but it also means bringing what I have to share with each other. And uh, you'll also see that in evidence at the end of Acts chapter 2 where they brought their, um, they sold their possessions and they brought the money for the benefit of the church and the community and those in need and those who are hungry. Isn't it interesting? Let's do one more. The third one on the worksheet, I want to do it with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9 says this, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And when you look at the Greek language, and I'm not a scholar, but I had a good go at this. And so if I can do it, you can do it. And that the fellowship of his son is really where that word koinonia is tied up in. The fellowship of his son. So what's, what's Paul trying to say to us as he writes about the fact that we're called into, we've been saved into fellowship of his son Jesus? Well, what I reckon that means uh, by, by way of uh, definition is that we get to co-share in the life of Jesus. Another word that I've used later on is common union. It's a, it's a word that a phrase that I use uh, to try and describe communion. You know, common union, it's a sharing of something in a unity together. Well, we've been saved into Christ by the, by the redemption of his blood and, and our confession of faith. And, and, and so we get to co-share in his life. And that's what koinonia means. So it means doing life together, bringing what I have for the betterment of others, and to co-share with others in this life of Christ together. So those are three examples that we've got. So now what I want you to do is I want you to grab your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16. And I want you to have a go. I want you to have a go, so pause the video, and I want you to discuss what the applied meaning of koinonia is in this verse. Go on, have a crack, see what you think, and we'll come back and have a chat about it. Well, I hope you had a bit of fun with that conversation. I hope you had some dialogue. You might have even dug out a Word Bible reference off the interweb, or you might have a study Bible that helps you with that. Um, these are all good tools to use because what we're doing is we're diving into the layers of the richness of the text and the scriptures that uh, come alive to us. And God's spirit speaks to our spirit and our, our soul becomes enlarged and our mind becomes alert and we tune in to God through scripture, which is actually what we're supposed to do as disciples of Jesus. 
Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16 talks about, is this not the communion of the blood of Christ? And, and, and the translation I was using has got communion there instead of koinonia. So the translation for koinonia is the communion of the blood of Christ. And again, to me, this speaks of our participation in the sacrifice of Christ. It's that we've been saved into his death and we've been saved into his resurrection. So we get to co-share uh, and partner and participate uh, in the life and the death of Christ. And you know, you, you, now that you know this, now you can see it, you'll start to see it all through scripture about how we're called into this life uh, because of what Christ has done for us. We get to get elevated into his life and we're seated with him uh, in order to reign and rule with him, but to live as his ambassadors. And the way that that happens is we're saved into the communion, the communion of the blood and the resurrection of Christ. So that's a lot of words. I don't know what you wrote down. But um, look, what I want you to do is download the worksheet. And I want you to take time today. You don't have to do it all in one go. It's not a test. There's no time limit. But journey with it and journal through it and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. So download the worksheet. And, uh, and really, what I want to talk now, just as I close, is, well, <laughs> what's the whole point of this? Let's have a chat about that. Friends, my goal here in presenting this to you today is to really draw you into a place of shared revelation. I really feel stirred around this. You can tell at the beginning how, how stirred I am with what God's revealing to me about the, the journey he's got us on as a church. We've been under attack. We've been under test. We've been in isolation. We've been under restrictions. There's all sorts of confusing noise and distraction going on because really the devil doesn't want us to live as family because when we live as family and we get it right the way Jesus designed, we're going to see revival. We're going to be a people saturated with the Spirit of God as a, re as a representation of who Jesus is to the world, to the broken world, to the dying world, to the lost world. But to get that right, we've got to get koinonia established because I believe what the reason God showed me this is koinonia is the, is the foundation, the building block. And if we, until we get koinonia right and understand it and apply it to our lives, there's no ecclesia, there's no establishment of the emerging church. You know, we can do all we can uh, in the glory cloud, but we're going to make no good difference to earth that we live in. So I'm, I'm leaving you the challenge with you. What is the difference that you're going to make in your life as a result of understanding koinonia in a greater way? How are you going to change and grow in partnership with the Spirit of God in order to be co-laboring with Jesus and co-laboring with the body of Christ in order to represent him well? How are you going to live koinonia differently? How are you going to come to the unity of faith, the one mind, one heart, common purpose with the church God's called you to be a part of? How are you going to give yourself to others and sacrifice, lifting them up, them up that they would find Jesus and then find their purpose in Christ through your sacrifice? How are you going to contribute who you are to the betterment of our community through the church in action in local mission and overseas mission come on this is not just a word for you to go oh well done pastor you had a good preach no this is a word that I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm urging you. I'm, I'm almost desperate to reach down the camera and shake you and say, come on, let's together work this out together. Let's partner with each other. Let's co-labor with Christ and let's change the world because through 
family, revival will come. The Lord said to me, 2016, revival was coming through family. The key for family is koinonia. And I hope today you've got an expanding revelation on that. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for all of us. <laughs> Almighty God, I thank you for your word. And I pray today and whenever someone's listening to this, that the word would come alive in them. That something would spark in their spirit and cause them to jump out of their chair and say yes and amen. And get on their knees and commit to Jesus himself that they will change their lives and live in this way of koinonia, other-centered love, and co-laboring with Christ. We can only do this by your grace. We can only do this because you love us and you gave an example of that love through your sacrifice. Help us to be disciples of Jesus. Help us to be good stewards of the blessing and the anointing you've given us. And help us to be faithful and obedient and walking into opportunities to represent Christ to our nation and our community. Lord, I declare the blessing over your people in the precious name of Jesus. May they know the nearness, the, the unity, the fellowship, the common union of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Be with them, I pray. Keep them safe. Keep them close to you. Keep them close to each other. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, well, God bless you, church. I pray it goes well for you and that you do enjoy the, the study guide uh, and that it really challenges you and sparks you to grow in the Word of God. God bless you. It's been a privilege to bring this to you today. Uh, make sure you follow us on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and connect uh, with notifications so that you little bell rings every time we post a new content. Grab our devotions, grab our series, our teaching series, and follow us. Uh, we'd love to go on a journey with you. God bless you, and I'll catch you again soon.